It's very simple to answer that. There's a lot of things in the Torah that tell you you get Olam Abba, and a lot of things that say you lose Olam Abba. So when you do both, in the end, Hashem decides. What did He do more? It's like many things. It's like making mitzvot and averot at the same time. It's also a contradiction. All life is uh, one minute you tzaddik, one minute you not. It's full of... No, that's not intentional. That's not what the Gemara speak, that he loses share to the world to come, no. Uh, I didn't turn the screen. Okay, we'll start right away. I, I noticed that when I need electric here. Ay, ay, ay. I would die in the middle of the lecture if I wouldn't look now. It happened. It had to me. It happened to me on Sunday. You were here on Sunday? No, I was in uh, in Kew Garden in Lefferts. Where do we have electric outlet here? Which, which one? What's Friday night? I'm Friday night. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it's so long. No, no, I didn't know it's so long. Okay. No. Got it, huh? We need to reset yeah. it. It's the only time I could be outstanding. I just hope that people would realize not to not to stretch it. At least we move the table up closer. Oh, that's it. There's no other way. Okay. It's good now. Okay. Yeah. We'll put this garbage here. All right, let's start. Okay. Oh, here he comes. Okay, so now the okay. I got the okay now. Gotta go around. Good evening. We're continuing our Talmud series. Today it's number uh, 19. And uh, we're still in Masechet Ta'anit. Hopefully we'll be able to finish it today. Maybe yes, maybe not. Uh, if you remember, the last time we spoke about uh, 
we spoke about uh, the rain and we spoke about uh, Abba Umna, the special doctor that was very modest and he made a separation between boys and girls and was not charging the poor people, so we're continuing. Uh, the Gemara is speaking about Choni Amagel. Choni, it's a very, very, very uh, unique, unique uh, figure, unique, uh, unique person in Judaism, Choni Amagel. You don't get to know more, many people in history that were like him. He had this uh, special ability that when there's no rains, he's able to bring rain. Gemara said one time, Rov Adar, the month of Adar, was already there. We know that uh, you know it's already almost the end of the of the winter. The spring comes soon, Nisan, and there's no rain. We already so soon. There's only one month left to the season. If there's no rain, we finished. So they came to Choni Amagel. They asked him to pray. He prayed. Rain came. And, I mean. He prayed that the rain will come, but the rain didn't come. So for somebody like him, then he knew it's a real serious decree. If I pray and Hashem doesn't send the rain, that means it's not going to be easy. He made a circle, and he stood inside like Chavakuk Anavir, the prophet Chavakuk, and he says, Ribono Shel Olam, your children having hopes, putting their hopes on me. Because I'm like, uh, I'm like living in your home. I'm not a guest. I'm coming in and out as much as I want, right? This is an expression like I'm close to you. Like I'm your, your close son. And right away, drops of rain started to come. So the student told him, it seems that the only reason that the rain come is just that you won't swear for nothing. You made that circle and you made a condition that you don't come out of there until the rain begins. It says, Hashem, that's not the kind of rain I ask. I ask rain that will fill up the holes and the wells. Not drop a few drops of rain just to make me able to bring a little rain, right? We want real water. The rain were pouring, very strong rain. The drops were huge. The Chachamim says, like, such, never in, nowhere in history they remember such big drops of rain that were falling. So they told him, the students, we think that the rain coming to destroy the world. <laughs> so he said, Hashem, that's not what I wanted. I wanted great rain with blessing. And then they eased, the rain eased up and started to rain, you know, exactly as they want as they wanted. So we see how many people like this in history you had. In those days, it was more common. You had Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon. Yeah, you had people like this. Today, we also have few people that have some, some power to the words. If they say something, Hashem really takes it to consideration. We know it. Uh, so they told him, okay, now we have too much rain. Please pray that the rain will stop. So he told, him, he told them, we have a rule in Judaism Something good that Hashem sends, you never pray for it to stop. You can only pray for it to come. 
You don't want it, don't pray anymore that he will come. But to pray that the good of Hashem will cut, will stop, we don't do that. But bring me a cow and I will sacrifice it to Hashem and he will get the point that we are already thanking him. <laughs> but didn't he make a, with the rainbow that there will be a flood? So why should they worry about the rain? No. What, what, what about the flood? No, so they would say that there's too much rain already. Why, why should they worry that there's too much rain? Too much rain because it's already starting to create floods. But, but Hashem is not going to make another flood. No, it won't make him a bull. Mabul, but flood, flood, <laughs> we have floods today sometimes in the neighborhood. Right. The swell doesn't work properly, the next thing you can come with a boat into the cul-de-sac. So it says, it's, so you hold the, the cow and you say, Ribbono Olam, master of universe, the nation that you took out of Egypt, they don't want to take too much good and too much bad. You got angry at them, they couldn't accept. You gave them too much good, they cannot accept. Please, please make the rain stop and everyone will be pleased. And right after a few moments, the clouds started to disappear, the sun came out. Rabbi Shimon ben Shatach was a big chacham in that generation. He sent him a messenger. He said, if you were not Choni, if it's not you, I would put you in isolation, cherem. I put a ban on you. Why? Because, you know, the key of the rain is only in the end of Hashem, right? It says, If this were the years like Eliyahu Navi, in those years that he said there will not be rain, and for three years there was no rain, it's like Hashem put the key of rains in the hand of Eliyahu Navi, the prophet. What would happen if it's such a decree, like Eliyahu Navi made a decree, and you wouldn't be able to overcome his decree? What would happen? It would be a major embarrassment. People say, look at this. That's why I always cry about and scream about at the same time that all these babot out there, they promise, they guarantee, you know, and in the end when something happens, to the other side, the opposite of what they say, what do you think the people say? The religion. They don't complain only about him. They complain in general. And then when there is a kosher one, he pays the price. It's enough that one crook come for donation, and they call that is a crook. Everyone who looks like him or dressed like him is automatically become a crook. That's the way it is, you know? It says like this, אבל מה אעשה שאתה מתחתה לפני המקום ועושה רצונך כבן שמתחתה לפני אבי ועושה לו רצונו? What can I do? What can I do? It says, What can I do to you that you have special treatment from Hashem and Hashem does whatever you wish? That's why if Hashem is doing what you want, who am I to put you on Ben in isolation? This is Chonia Me'agel. The Teilim, the Psalms, 126. Kuf Chaf Chet. This is what it says. David Amelech wrote 15 Shir Lamaalot. You know the story. After the, after the, they threw the name of Hashem into the flood water, 
into the spring water, it came down 16,000 amma, which is 8 kilometer. After he made 15 shirla ma'alot, it came up almost to the ground level. And that's how they got saved. This is in a, in a creation of the first temple. So this is what Choni Amagel say about this pasuk. The Steilim, David HaMelech wrote, when Hashem returned to Zion, to Yerushalayim, to Eretz Israel, it would be like a dream. We would look at that, it's going to be like a dream to us. It says like this, Amar Efshar, Shivim Shnin, Dechalma Dami, Mi'ika Denaim, Shivim Shnin. What happened to Choni? He went to sleep for how long? 70 years. 70 years. I don't know what does it mean, sleep seven years. Was he dead for seven years? Did he go to die and he came back in another body? I don't really know what it means. Because, you know, we have people in this world that they remember their previous life. Like some of these Arab Druze in Israel, he comes, he's seven years old, he remember he used to be a soldier, he remember how he died, he remember his name, he remember his ex-wife. He even can go to a place and recognize all the family members. We see cases like this. It's not only in Israel, it's in different places of the world. If you're interested in seeing people who remember their previous life, you can watch my lecture, Life After Life. I speak about it and I show some clips about people who remember their previous life. I don't really know. Thinking that he went to sleep for seven years, obviously a person needs to eat and drink. You die after seven years, unless if God makes a miracle. Makes, if he makes him such a miracle that the rain comes in moments and the rain goes in moments, based on his words, obviously I'm not surprised anymore that he can go to sleep and wake up after seven years. No, but even if you're coma, you need to eat. Today people survive in coma just because of the, the, the infusia, the infusion, how do you call it, infusion? Yeah, without it they dead, of course, what's the question? So I don't really know. I don't really know what it means, but uh, one thing we know that when he came back to life, when he woke up, the world looked different, completely different. And it says, it says like this, he looked, avakazil beorcha, he was walking on the way, chazia lehu gavra, he saw a man, the kanata haruva, he's planting a tree of carobs. You know the carobs? May you never have to eat it for survival. It's like uh, eating sticks with a little bit sugar. Amar le michdi haruva chivim shnin lotain. It's a what? It takes 70 years for the carobs to grow. It says it's obvious that uh, if you live, 70 years, you ate from that tree. He asked him, he said to him, to the man who he said, what are you planting a tree that you don't even know if you're going to eat from its fruit? It's so obvious to you that you're going to survive. So he said to him, I'm taking care of the world as my father took care of the world for me and his father for him. This is my obligation to prepare for my children and grandchildren. Same thing my parents planted for me, I planned for my children. So 
So that's the whole story, how he went to sleep. Adra alemishum nita, ve'akasem e'ena, ve'naim shivim shnin. He went to sleep 70 years, as I said before. Ki kam chazi ale le'ahu gavra. When he came, when he came back to life, who did he see? That person that 70 years ago was planting the tree, sitting now next to the tree and eating carobs. Amar le'adat man shatle le'ahu charuva. He says... Do you know who was... No, he saw a different man, not the same man, different man. Somebody sitting by this... Somebody lives in that house where, where he planted the tree. He said, do you know who planted that, this carob tree? He said, yes, my father did it for me. The, the man says. He said, oh, now I understand that I really slept for 70 years. If it was his father, and now he, this person is already old. <laughs> you know, he realized. So he already saw that the, his donkey already had babies and, you know, it's like already became a group of donkeys. He went to his home now. Now he's going to his home. He got in. He said, where is, no, he went, he said, where is the son of Chonia Magel? Where is his son? He asked. He said, he doesn't have a son. He has a grandson over here. Where is his son? We don't know. But in this town, he has a grandson. They told him, Anahu, it say, oh, he said, this is me. The person who asked him, where is the son of Choni Amagel? He said, his son is not here, but I'm his grandson. He went to the Bidi Yeshiva, and he heard the rabbis are learning and saying, Nair alan hashmata aidna kebishne Choni Amagel. They're giving example like the time of his life. He said, when he went into the yeshiva, there used to be a man, he's hearing the Chachamim saying, used to be a man 70 years ago, his name was Choni. And he was very, very smart. Every question the rabbis had, he always knew the answer. He told them, I am the one. They did not believe him. And they didn't respect him. They thought he's crazy. <laughs> who, who are you? Where were you until now? He got upset. He started to pray to Hashem that he will take him away. If I lost all my prestige, everything I worked for and learned for, and now nobody will even listen to me, what's the point of living? And he went to sleep and he never got up. What, this is what the Gemara says, the conclusion from this whole thing. If you have a good chevruta, someone you learn Torah with, then your life is great. If you don't have it, better to die. We look at that, we think, oh, better to die? I don't have chevruta and I live perfectly fine. See, when a person never tasted from something good, he doesn't know what he's losing. You know how it is. Once you let him taste from it, that's, the, that's it. From that moment on, Abba Chilkia, Bar Who was the boy that Choni found in Yeshiva? That he told him, I'm your grandson. I'm the grandson. His name was Abba Chilkia. The rabbis, the important rabbis, they had to go to him. Every time they needed rain. So, so this gula, this ability stayed in a family. 
is his grandson, is also able to bring rain. Zimna chalda itzterich alma lemitra. One time the world needed rain. Shadru rabanan zuga de rabanan lekame. They sent two rabbis to him. Lemibai rachame. That he should pray to Hashem. Vetiti mitra. That he will give rain. Azalu lebete velo ashkachu. They went to his home and they couldn't find him. It wasn't home. Azalu legabe ledabra. They went to the field where he was a farmer. Ashkachu deava karafik. You know, they see him working in a field. They told him, hello. He didn't answer them. Well, how do we call it today? Attitude, nasty, no? Doesn't even say hello. But soon we're going to see what the whole story is about. Then he started to go home. When he arrived to the town, his wife came out when she's all dressed up, I don't know, makeup, whatever it was, she comes to him, his wife, to the street, and they follow him. Kimata lebeta. When they went upstairs to the house, Aila debitu beresha. His wife was going up the stairs first, and then he was following her, you know. And he's walking after his wife, which is against the halacha. Who has to go first? Men. Men first, not ladies first. Why men first? Not because he's more important than the woman. That's not the case. Because it's not modest to go after a woman when she goes with her skirt up the stairs. You go first and she goes after you. Very simple, modesty. So she goes first, he goes after her, and they follow him. She puts bread on the table, he sits, he washes his hand, he sits to eat. He ignores them. All this time he ignores them. He doesn't say, come, join me. Very strange. He gives bread to the kids. He gave to the kids more than what he took for himself. Also, it doesn't make sense. Amar Ledvitu, he said to his wife, Yadana de Rabbanan Amtul Mitraatu. I know why they came, these two rabbis. Why they came? No, why do you think the rabbi came? He said to his wife, They want they want me to get them rain. He doesn't want to get honor now. Because, you know, who do you think I am? I'm God? So that's why it's tough with them. So he said, let's go to the attic, he said to his wife, and we pray for rain, that they won't see that we're praying for rain. Let's go. We leave them here. We go upstairs. We pray for rain before they're asking. Maybe we comfort Hashem, you know, to give rain. And we won't get the credit for it. He won't know that we pray. Let's go 10, 15 minutes, we pray. Before they even ask, maybe the rain will come. And like this, we don't get the honor. Exactly the opposite of today. Today, the babot, they take credit for what they didn't do. You see, I did it. We did it. We did you tikkun. <laughs> but you don't forget to send the check next month, no? So there, there is the opposite. He doesn't want to get honor for it. I'm going to get you the rain, but I hope that you don't think it's thanks to me. No. 
סאקו ליגרה קמיהו בחד זוויתא ודויתו בחד זוויתא. They went up to the attic, he went to one side of the attic to pray, and she went to the opposite side of the attic to pray. And they were praying very strong. קדים סליק אננה מזוויתא דויתא הוא כי... The cloud started to come from his wife's side, and then the rain started from there. So, you know, you realize, oh, if the rain came from my wife's side, that means she's more righteous than me. Thanks to her prayer, he came. Why Hashem sending it from her side? So, the rain already came, so now they can come down. So they went down. Kinachit, Amar Leo, why... Why you came, he asked the rabbis. Can I help you? Oh, now it's nice. After the rain came. They told him, the rabbis asked us here to ask you to pray for rain. He says, no, Baruch Hashem, that you don't need me anymore. You don't need me. Here, Hashem gave you the rain thanks to you, you see. Amri he said, listen, we're not foolish. We know the mitra mihamat maru deata. We know that the rain came thanks to you, not to anybody else. <laughs> but please answer our questions before we go. When we came to you to the field, you were not so nice to us. We said hello, you didn't answer. Why? It said I was working for my boss, and if I would stand to talk to you, I would be stealing from him. It's not my free time. What would happen if, you say, if I say hello to you, then you ask me another question, then I have to answer, then you ask me another question, then here you go, I, I, I stole two minutes from my boss time. No? Not like today. He has to work 60 minutes, 59 minutes and a half, he's on the phone with his friends. <laughs> and then the boss said, maybe we need to hire someone else. The job is not getting done. <laughs> It says, okay, we got it. Why your wife came out so dressed, makeup, this? There was no wigs yet. So he said, she makes sure that I will never have to look at another woman. How much we can learn from this story? Today, a person gets married. First week in a Sheva Brachot, his wife are pretty for him. Soon as the Shevra Bachot is over, she put her shmate on her face, on her head, and he never ever see her nicely unless if they go to a wedding. When does she get dressed? When she goes shopping. Tony, Vini, Jose, they enjoy from her beauty. But her husband doesn't get to see the beauty of his wife. He comes home, shmate, dirty, sweating. She works very hard. She doesn't have time to put a show for her husband to dress well. Then they wonder why there's so many problems out there in the marriages. They say, oh, so your wife is doing it for you? Very nice. Why she went up first and you after her? It's against the halacha. Chacham, like you should know it. He says, because I didn't know who you are. I don't know what kind of people you are. You look nice, but how do I know you're decent? From here what we learn, that the image of the people are zero. You don't care how they look. Don't ever be impressed from how they look. He says, since I don't know who you are, 
I thought maybe you're not modest people. You may look at her. So I made a separation between my wife and you. I blocked the view. If I knew you, I know you holy people, you watch your eyes, then of course, I don't mind. I go first, my wife go after me. But then you go after my wife. No, no, no. Since I don't know who you are, I don't trust you. Maybe you look. So you see what you learned from here? Look, it's clear, Gemara, if somebody ever asks you, how do you know the look is not important? That's one example right here. Why he did not invite us to eat with you bread? We're guests here. He said to him, I didn't have enough bread. The poor man is not rich. With his skills and his abilities, today he would have a billion dollar cash. Every week he would put an ad in Yediot Achronot in New York Times, Tzadik Balair. I go like this, and the rain comes down. Imagine how much money he would make. He would make an agreement with the Israeli government that instead of import water from Turkey, you come to me, you give me 20% from the amount of water that comes down. Ooh, wow. It would be in two, 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 three years later, it would be the prime minister already. Oh, yeah, you're good, you guys are very good. Yeah, but sometimes the Satan helped the Babot to be successful, to let the people eat what they deserve. If a person puts hopes in people, not in Hashem, he hopes that that person will save him. So what happens? Sometimes Hashem puts him in the hand of that crook, and it looks for a while that that crook can help, and he has some spiritual skills until he crushes him to pieces. Then he gets so disappointed, and Hashem says, now you're beginning to be religious. When you finally realize not to have hope in people then. And I'm telling you that from experience. You know, I've seen all the time that what happened. People go, it's, in Israel it's called tironut. You know what tironut is? When you join the army, one month they make you eat mud. Why they start the army in such a negative way? that you don't develop any expectation. My friend, you did not come to Sheraton Hotel. You joined the Israeli army. You eat mud when it's necessary. They, put, they humiliate you. They put you down. They try to break you mentally, physically. But this is the way it is. I believe in other armies it's just as bad, yeah? So after finally you finish the Tironut, your life begins. Oh, now it's more normal. You work, you do things, but you have some life at least. Same thing here. Sometimes when you become religious, you have high expectation from all this babot. Your baba in your neighborhood, the baba that somebody sent you to get a bracha from, he begins to milk you out, he takes control on your life, he runs your marriage already, next thing your wife listens to him and not listen to you until you find out his real face, and now you begin to realize, I made a mistake. I wasted two years with this person. Let's really worship Hashem, not people. That's a school for life. School for life. Sometimes what you learn, being around those crooks for a year or two, it will save you much, much problems later on. 
Because this is a school for life. Believe me, I know many people that that's how they became real Baalei Tshuva. After they got so frustrated from people in the beginning, they realized all the corruptions that we have today in our world in general. From that moment on, they realized, if I'm not going to really aim to Hashem, I'm, I'm finished. And once they do it, Hashem took him out of all their problems. One, two, three. Everything fall into place without begging them. Without paying him half a million dollars that he makes his daughter pregnant because she's barren. Without all this nonsense. Remember the rule. Somebody asks you money in advance to help you spiritually. I'm not talking a doctor or a lawyer. You have to pay. You're a mechanic. That's obvious. You have to pay. I'm talking spiritually. If he makes a condition, if you give me X amount of money, then, uh, then we will take, uh, take care of the problem, or we will help you in any way. Stay away from that person. Don't even give him the chance to do it. Why? It's called sitra achra. That's not the way of the Torah. But if he's coming to help you, and he sees L'shem Shamaim, and Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of tzaddikim out there. After he helped you out, don't be ungrateful. Run to help him in anything he needs. Be grateful. No, that's what Judaism is all about. What? Person save your life, save you from problem, save you from all kinds of things. Taught you Torah, made you religious, made your children religious, made your wife religious, made your parents religious, solve problems in your family, in your marriage, who you deserve gratitude if not him, no? Okay, let's move on. So it says, okay, I didn't have enough bread. Why you give your oldest son one piece of bread and to the youngest one too? Isn't it should be the other way around? The, the, the older one should get more food. So he needs more food. One of them he lives in a house. One of them lives in a yeshiva. Which means what? The one who learns Torah needs more food. Why learning Torah takes a lot of efforts than being home. So that's why I gave him more. They realized that the clouds came from his wife's side. They were Chachamim themselves, these two rabbis. Why they came, the clouds came from your wife's side and not from your side? He say, because my wife is always at home and she takes care, takes care of all the poor people who come here and knock on the door. More than me, that I'm not here, I'm in a field, right? So what do we see from here? That big Chachamim also went to work, right? The world was clean. It was possible to work and to learn and to be a big Chacham. Today, someone who wants to learn and to work at the same time, he will never be a Chacham. Never. One out of a million, maybe. Why? The environment, the corrupted city, the corrupted offices, the worst area, the environment, the music, the people, the goyim, the non-religious Jews. There's so many things out there. Impossible. And he said, there's one other reason why Hashem loves my wife more than he loves me. Why? We have some gangster in our neighborhood. I pray that they'll die. These, these criminals. And she prays every day that they will become Baalei Tshuva. That's why Hashem listened to her word and not to me. Now this is a... Let's conclude. 
This is a person that go like this, and Hashem send rain to the entire country of Israel. So obviously he's a very holy man, no? If I go like this until next year, it's not gonna... <laughs> maybe hell will fall on us, maybe. But this is a person that is legend, a legend. And he says, my wife is more righteous than me. For what reason? She pray for the not religious people to become Balei Tshuva. Now what happened if she made them religious? That's even greater. So what do you see from here? That if you have the merit to participate in making Jews religious, that's the highest of all highest. Nothing come even near it. It's a league by itself. And that's why the Zohar in Parashat Ruma says that a person would live 70 years with suffering and agony and all his life is one big problem. But he made one Jew religious, it was worth it. And he has to run 70 years after that person buy him with money and gifts and do anything he can to turn one Jew into a religious Jew. It was already worth living in hell. Just for that. Also in another place it says that in the next world there's a place in Olam Abba, every righteous Jew has 310 worlds of pleasure, spiritual pleasure, without 72 women waiting for them. That's for Mustafa and Said. For us, we're interested in Hashem's greatness, not in the nonsense. So, 310 worlds, but there's one world that righteous people, ordinary righteous people, do not go there. They can enter. Who goes there? Only people who made other people religious, they go to that world. And that's the highest level of spiritual pleasure. For only a person who made Baalei Tshuva. From here you learn that if, Bezrat Hashem, one day you'll be able to be rich, to make money, you have enough money to give to tzedakah. So what's going to be the first option of investment? Only making Jews religious is the best and the most productive investment that a person can make in life. The most productive investment. And you should know that if you had an opportunity to do it and you did it, when the time comes and you see what you lost, I promise you, you will pull your hair off a million times and it won't comfort you for the, import, for the importance, for the opportunity that you had and you did not grab it. I'll, give you, I'll tell you a story. I have a friend. He's trying to help to make CDs. How do we give thousands of CDs every month? People donate. It adds up a little bit, a little bit. It adds up. But there are a few major people who donate nice amounts. They are like 80% of, of the monthly CDs. So this is my friend. is a very nice person. He works in Manhattan in Diamonds. He is one of the only people I met in my whole life that came after me to help to make, to help. How can I help you make people religious? Usually it never happens, unfortunately. Should have happened every minute. Logically, every wealthy person should have run after the people in the world that make other Jews religious. Because if you have money, if you have a million dollars, and you know there's a guy in Wall Street which is the best investor, the best. He has the highest records. Everything he touched become gold, and he, and, he, and he announced in one of his business meetings that he's looking for people to give him money to invest. He will invest it for them, for some commission. 
All the wealthy people would stand online for days to give him the money. Why? It's going to make me thousands of percent profit. Where else would I make that kind of profit? So in physical money, which is temporary, everybody is a genius. They know where to invest. Well, when it comes to eternal reward, everyone is stupid, almost everyone. So that's why I say it's very, very rare that this guy who came, he met me in a Shabbaton one time, saw what I did in that Shabbaton, he said, how can I help? And that's very rare. So now, how do you know a person is really good? Not only he helps, he tries to get his friends to help, but not everybody has the merit. So 10 days ago, he said, I have a friend, the biggest diamond dealer in the world in one specific kind of diamonds. It's called emeralds, the biggest in the world. You know what we're talking here about? Persons that have billions of dollars, the biggest in the world, not in America. A Jew speaks Hebrew and other languages. I don't want to give too much information. So he said, I want you to come to Manhattan and we'll go to his office. What I help you is peanuts compared to what this guy can do. If this guy would like you, you never have to ask for donation from anyone. Uh, whatever you ask, five, ten thousand a month, it's not, he won't even realize he gave it. it is, 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 is transaction amounts in month so big, <laughs> five more, ten more, he won't even realize. He won't even, cal he won't even calculate this amount. No, so that sounds very good, but I don't like to go to Manhattan. It's a very big punishment for me. But I say to him, maybe you talk to him for me. Say, no, no, I want you to bring your computer, you open your website, you explain, you bring your CDs. I'll exp I show him, I'll tell him what I've seen in my own eyes, what I've seen everywhere I go. And that's, my, I think it's going to be better. No, I went there. Now, I haven't been in Manhattan for years, so I don't know that December is the nightmare of all nightmares to go to Manhattan. Why? The Christmas holiday shopping. Everyone in Manhattan. So they close all the streets. They put police in every street. You cannot make turns. One hour. Four blocks to go in a circle. One hour. I came late to Mincha. I always go 40, 40 45 minutes extra in case there will be a delay. But who could ever imagine that four blocks will take you an hour? <laughs> no. So I'm already frustrated. I came late to Mincha. At least I got to give a good rush there between Mincha and Mariv. No, I finished there. Now we go to the appointment. He left. Okay, he left. So it was all a waste of time. He said, don't worry, there will be another opportunity. When was that opportunity? Yesterday. Yesterday, another opportunity. He calls me up yesterday morning. Today is the day. I spoke to him a few days ago. We made an appointment for 5.30. Yesterday, 5.30. So perfect. On my way to Brooklyn, I'll pass through the city and I'll continue. I said, but did you confirm with him? I don't want problems anymore. He say, don't worry, come. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a rule when people tell me don't worry, I worry very much. But I don't know why I ignore my rule. And I say, ah, what's the chance that this guy will play a trick twice within 10 days? 
Anyway, I have to go to Brooklyn. No, I'll come a few hours in. Now I already know the arrangements in Manhattan, so I know which street to take and only go straight. Cannot make turns. <laughs> I planned it. This time I got there, Baruch Hashem, fast, into the parking lot, from the parking lot right into the building, not to see the zoo out there. Mincha and Ma'ariv is in the building. Baruch Hashem, so far you see only religious people. No, and now, now we have to go two blocks away to his office, 5.30. We go to the guy's office. All the security, close this door, they open that door, cameras, this, doorman. Ooh, Finally we made it, we go up to his office. Where is he? Went to the doctor. <laughs> What time is coming back, if he's coming back? <laughs> In one hour. A disappointment, and you now we waste another hour waiting, but there's still a chance, because the lecture in Brooklyn is at 8.30. If we come at 6.30, you sit until 7, you still have an hour and a half to get to Brooklyn with the rush hour, you make it. Still on time. It's called Akeva Letova. Then I said to my friend, but you know what? Check with him if he really returns to the office. These people only work for him. They don't know his plan. The boss never tells his employees every step he wants to make. Check with him. Call him, see if he comes to the office. Tell, remind him that we're here. We made an appointment, no? He called him up. Of course, he doesn't answer. So I said, text him. Listen to how it works. He texts him now a detailed message. Rabbi Mizrahi came from Monsi, special. Monsi is far from Manhattan. You know, he knows it. He's here already for more than an hour here. And we made an appointment. When are you coming back? So right away the guy calls back. So now they talk. So he says to him, I'm not in a good mood today. That's his, I hear the conversation. The phone is very loud. I'm not in a good mood today. Tell him he can come back on January 18th when I come back from my long vacation. The Jew that goes on vacation for Christmas and Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> I say to my friend, I'm not coming back here third time. If he's here already, see if he has five minutes from us. Just to give him the CDs and go, it's also worth it. So I say to him, you know, he came special, it's not the first time. Why, you're not coming back? He said, no, no, I'm coming back, but I'm very busy. I was away for a few days. Stories. Oh, bottom line, my friend couldn't get him to agree. So we, while we were waiting for him, we're sitting to learn. What are we going to do? Sitting and learning. So we didn't finish the subject. So I said to him, okay, let's learn another 10 minutes. We finish the page, and then we go. Now we're thinking he's going to come back in an hour. So we leave before he comes to avoid the embarrassment. 10 minutes later, he showed up in the office. Now he comes into the office. Here is the entrance, and we sit right here in a room. All he has to do, the door is even open, to make one step to the right, and he sees us. What do you think he did? And it's all cameras. Everywhere you go, there's cameras of all the rooms for security. He ran quickly into his office. I didn't see it, him, because I don't even know how he looks. My friend told me he just came. I said, so what are we waiting for? What do I care? He's going to throw us out of the window? We're here already. We're trying to save souls here. What do we came here to buy a Mercedes? What do we came here for? But you know, the guy is nice. He's also a business relationship with him. This is where we live. We're afraid to come to a billionaire to ask him to help for a few thousand dollars and he humiliate you like a dog. So we couldn't see him, the big shot. Now, 
Why I'm telling you this story? Because I promise you one million billion percent that when this guy comes to Olam Abba, that will be the last day of his life. I mean, the worst day of his life. I promise you this. Because when Hashem will show him what was one step away from him, and he turned it down, he will never ever stop to cry for eternity in Olam Abba for the opportunity that he had for a few thousand dollars to get. Nowhere in the world he would be able to make so many people religious, you know, and get them into the, and to learn Torah. Just in a, I always say to these people, you know what? Even if nobody would become religious, nobody, nobody. Just the four hours that they hear that CD, it's four hours of learning Torah for one dollar. That's already the best investment. Why? Where can you get a Jew to learn four hours Torah that count that you learn? Because you paid for it. It counts like you learn for one dollar. Where? Show me. No. Take a guy, tell him, listen, I want you to learn Torah for me. Four hours, four hours. Oh, how much are you going to pay me? One dollar. <laughs> I'll give you such a smack. Get out of here. One, four, no? Two hours, three hours, four, whatever it is. And not to talk about when they go to the website and hear another one and another one. It's become 200, 300. There are people, I have one guy in Canada. One time he called up Bradley's name, Baruch in Hebrew. I tell you his name. He said, I listen to every one of the lectures minimum three times. And there's more than 600 lectures there. And each one of them is two hours, three hours, four hours, depends. <laughs> How many thousands of hours? How this guy got to me? through someone's dollar. And I was in Canada, I took a suitcase, we gave out CDs, eventually he got one, right? How do you know a speaker somewhere? You hear him for the first time. The person who got you to hear him, and you liked him, and then from now on you hear him all your life, no matter who was that speaker, so you learn Torah from that speaker, the person who got you into that lecture benefits from every minute of Torah you learn from him. That's what the Gemara in Baba Batra say, Gadol Ameaseh, Yoter Someone who makes Jews making mitzvot, his reward is greater than them. You understand? That's it. So what's the conclusion of this? We have to see that when it comes to this, not everyone has the merit. Not everyone has the merit. I promise you that if tomorrow somebody will come and tell them we want to build a hospital and we need a million dollars from you, there's a very high chance you will give it in a minute and invite the person to a fancy restaurant in Manhattan. What? That he gave money to the hospital that they can take care of the Arab terrorists, the Hamas, the, the Pakistani, the Hezbollah, the Al-Qaeda spies, that they need treatment in the hospital, so his money is going to take care of them. Yeah. And all the people who make scenes, AIDS, this, they need treatment in the hospital, so his holy money will be used to take care of all these people who goes against Hashem. Why? For that, you don't need merit. What merit you need for that? The reward is small. No, fine, Hashem doesn't care. But if a person that is not worthy has such an opportunity, the Satan goes heavy on him. Why? You think it's going to be easy like this? Because remember, this guy, if he would, every month would lose a wallet with $5,000, he wouldn't make a beep. Why? Eh, my $5,000, I make it in two minutes. Why? Right? If, if, you, if you lose a wallet with $3, how long you would cry for it? How long? Three seconds? One minute? There's always an exception to the rule. Right? 
One guy, I know one guy, that he, somebody stole his iPad. And then eventually he went from one kid to another, he got to my son, my son went to return it to him, he left it for him for some stores, and from that moment on nobody knows what happened to it. The, world, the, the value of this iPad was $100. And this guy already for three months calling every few days. He, doesn't, he refused to give up a used iPad that perhaps today to buy another one like this is probably $20. Why? This is a mentally ill person. Yeah, that's it. For, for, for $100 that he lost, for three months he cries and calls and calls and calls and embarrasses himself. What do you see? It's not a religious person. The, the last thing a religious person would do is cry for, for, for a tiny uh, loss like this. <laughs> Where is the religion exactly? Don't you understand that if Hashem made you lose something, there was a reason for it? You tried. You put your efforts. It doesn't come back. Move on with your life. Give a chance to Hashem to perform. You stick on a history? No. Let's move on. So, the conclusion over here, that his wife, his wife, had a higher level than him because she was praying for the criminals in her area to become Baalei Tshuva. You understand? This is it. And I promise you that the criminals of those days well, nothing compared to the criminals of today. You know who they call criminals. We only learn nine hours to a day. Yeah, what do you think? Well, yeah. These were the criminals of those days. Why? My father told me when he was a kid, there was hardly any Mechalel Shabbat in Israel. When the kids wanted to start to be Mechalel Shabbat, they had to walk 20, 30 minutes walk to the orchards of Tel Aviv used to be a lot of trees, orchards, forests, to go half an hour to hide between the trees, to smoke a cigarette, and then to walk back half an hour to make a scene, 65 years ago, two generations ago. That's how it was. And then, of course, they refreshed themselves that nobody would, would smell that they smoke on Shabbat. What an embarrassment. Today, one guy walked into the shul, in the middle of Shabbat, he said, I need Aliyah, I need to make Birkat HaGomel. In Chulon, in Israel. I need to make Birkat HaGomel. He goes up to the Torah. In the middle of, when he gets the Aliyah, he finished, he bought the Aliyah for, in Shabbat. I don't know, 200 shekel. He takes that money, he gives the Gabai. In front of the Sefer Torah, in front of the Rabbi, here is the money. He doesn't even know that he's not allowed to touch money on Shabbat. This is what we're talking here about. He knows you need Birkat HaGomel. He gives him the money. Now, the Gabai froze. He never had such a case. So I can't touch this. So the guy said, listen, I'm out of town. If you don't take it now, you never see it. I'm not going to have time to come back for 200 shekels to give you. So where is the box here? I'm going to put it in the box. The Gabai said, even if you put it in the box, I won't be able to use this money. It's money that was... It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure from Chilud Shabbat of a Jew. Cannot use this money in Shabbat. And he started to get confused. Should he take? Should he not take? What should he do? So the guy said, but listen, I understand that I'm not supposed to touch the money, but it's already in my hand. Now I have two options. He became already a rabbi. He's learning now. goes like this. If I put it back in my pocket or I put it in the box, what's the difference? Anyway, I have to put it down. So in front of all the shul. And on top of all that, the phone, cell phone started to ring. 
You started to ring the cell phone on Shabbat. You understand the Chilul Hashem? One time I went to one of the shoes, I don't want to say the name, because I know I'm going to get a hundred phone calls by tomorrow if I say the name, but they deserve that I say their name. And the one who called himself a rabbi over there, on Mincha of Shabbat, he gives Aliyat Shlishi to a Mechalel Shabbat that came to the shul with a car. I say to him quietly, how do you give him Aliyah? So he, comes, he came to, with a car now. For him, it's like, by the way, he's driving a car, you know. Good thing he doesn't come with the cigarettes. He say, hey, you know, I'm not makpid about this here. It's halacha, it's the law. What do you mean you're not makpid? No, okay, no, I already told him. He's avoiding me. Guess what happened? In the middle of the Torah reading, as the Chazan reads, his cell phone went so loud with music, Goish music, black music, pam, 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 you know, in a whole shul. I say, ah, Ishtabach Shemo, he deserved to get this embarrassment. Why Hashem did it? To show him, hey, Habibi, the Torah is not open for negotiations. If, if the rabbi made up the Torah, no, people made it, we are people, no, let's twist it a little bit. You can make negotiation with God, what to do, what not to do. It's an eternal covenant. You put it in a garbage. Why? Because you want him to give you donation. What's the point? To like you? One time someone told me, a rabbi that everyone likes him is very bad. A rabbi that everyone hates him is also very bad. But a rabbi that has people who likes him very much, and a people who hates him very much, that's very good. Why? Because society has two categories. People who search for the truth, or people who runs away from the truth. People who search for the truth appreciate someone who tells the truth in the face. In the face. Because that's what they came for. As, as painful as it may be, they appreciate it. People who run away from the truth, someone who just brings the truth to their face, they hate him right away. Wow, you, you spoiled my, uh, my feeling, you know. And they begin, you're scary, you're too tough, you're this, you're strict. We've been in this movie already. Okay, let's move on. What happened to the money? He left it over there. He left that over there. But the idea is that when he asked this question to Rav Zilberstein, he answered, he told him that he should have told him that Bezrat Hashem, you know, he, 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 he should accept on himself, he should have given him a speech about Shabbat, the importance of keeping Shabbat. He should refuse to get the money from him. Tell him, we don't want your money. And if you make tshuva, then when you make money, you send us the money. That was more or less the answers there, if I remember correctly. Doesn't matter, I'm just bringing you what's going on around us. This is the situation where we are. All right, let's move on. The Gemara says, one time, There were workers came to work. So the people came, they worked for one rabbi, and the rabbi wasn't there. And his son was there. So they walk, walk, walk. Now they wanted their, uh, they wanted food or something. He had to get them food. There's no food because his father wasn't there. So Amru lelebre. They said to his son. It says, 
there was a fig tree over there without, without any trees on it, without any figs on it. So he said, it was such a holy person, he said, Te'ena, te'ena, otziu perotaich v'yochlu po ale ava. Ava. Dear fig tree, give us some fruit that the workers of my father should eat. And the tree had figs right there. What is it called? It's called Kabbalah Maasit. What's Kabbalah Maasit? Kabbalah, the real Kabbalah, why everyone's scared from Kabbalah, it's dangerous. To learn Kabbalah to a certain extent, fine, no, it's Torah. But there are levels of Kabbalah which call Kabbalah Maasit. You can get to a point that you take an angel that is in charge of something of the creation and get things out of him against what he's supposed to be. For instance, if a person is supposed to be sick, you can write something and put it on his body and the angel who comes to give him the sickness is afraid to come close to him. And that's how you say, it's called Kamea, but that's very dangerous in the long run. Because eventually they take revenge for all these times they couldn't do their job. Because remember, angel is a robot. He's programmed to do what Hashem told him, and if, if you are, it's called Kabbalah, you can interfere, you can split the water, you can do magics, you can walk on water, you can touch people and, and you cure them. You can do a lot of things, but that's called Kabbalah Maasit, and it's very, very dangerous. If you're not very, very holy, ooh, you're playing with not fire, with an atomic bomb you're playing. You understand? So, this is what it says. He said to the angel that is in charge of the fruit, it wasn't the season. Make fruit, there's nothing to give them to eat. What? To let them eat? My father is not here. And figs came out, he gave them figs, and they were eating. How do they eat figs? It's full of worms. 2,000 years ago, the fruit did not have any worms. The Torah says when the people make sins, the nation of Israel makes a lot of sins, the land gets cursed, and it gets full of worms. You understand? One of the reasons that there's a lot of worms today in a fruit, I mean in a vegetables, because they don't have water in Israel. And since they don't have water, they use sewer water, all the bathroom water. What people do in a bathroom, it all gets connected to, collected to sewer, and they use it for the fields. Why? They figure, what, the, the, the trees need needs liquid. What different, what does make what liquid? As long as it doesn't kill the tree. And the fruit, fine. But the problem is that it attracts a lot of insects and bugs and, and worms, and it's, and it's become a problem. Now figs, when you open the figs, there's no way to see if there's a worm in. It looks full of worms to begin with. Where are you gonna find one more out of a thousand? It's very difficult to find it. But in those days, there was nothing to worry about. Apika ve'achlu. No. Adeachi ve'achi ata'abua. After a while, his father showed up. Amar leo, lotin ketuli bedataichu de'a de'nahagna de'memilta ve'mitzvah avai. Please forgive me that I came late because I was busy with an important mitzvah. You know, I was forced to be late because I was supposed to take care of your lunch. Hashem will make you full, like your stomach full, like your son made our stomach full. He asked his son, what did you do? He told him, 
This is what I did. This is what he said. Scary, very scary, this Gemara. Bni, ata itrachta et koncha lootzitena, you bother Hashem, and you interfere with the law of nature, you made Hashem change his plan for your miracle that you did, right? Not on the right time. You're going to die not in the right time. Do you know a father that can tell such a thing to his son? He has a holy son. He's a big Kabbalist. He wanted to feed the workers. It's not that he wanted to buy himself a nice Cadillac. Not talking a greedy guy. What did he do? He wanted to feed the workers. His father was late. He wanted to do a mitzvah. But he used his power in Kabbalah and bothered. What does it mean, bothered? Hashem had to change his plan. It's not, it's not the plan now to have figs on a tree. It wasn't the time. The figs came out. He fed them. And he told them, since you did such a thing, you're not supposed to interfere with this. You won't die in the right time that you're supposed to. And that's what happened in the end. Now, what do you see from here? That this kind of people, they always first looked at the truth. Feelings came only after. First, what's the truth? Let's do it first, and then we worry about the pain. What do you think? He didn't see to cry about his son? Of course he did. But what do you see here? The level of truth was so high. So high. What is it like? Like a policeman come to, to your house and he say, your son is suspect in a robbery. You can say a few words and save your son. No, he was here, here. Ask my wife. Oh, yeah, he was here, yeah. No, yeah. Where was he last night, 9 o'clock? He was here. He, he winked to the uncle. The uncle say yes. Everyone say yeah, he was here with us all night. Right away, you clear him. It's an alibi. How many people say, oh, you're right. He came with lots of money last night. Yeah, yeah, he looked suspicious last night. I asked him, he, did, he started mumbling. Officer, please arrest him and make sure he gets the worst punishment. How many? I know people like this. That's called a real lover of Hashem. First, the truth. It's very difficult to find people like this. But that shows you tocho kevaro, real, 100% honest, straight. My son deserves it, deserves it, that's what he should get, that's what he should get. Sometimes people get shocked. They call, your son did such and such and such. So the, the rabbi said to him, so do what you need to do. What do you mean do? I'm calling you. No, no, I have no control of him. Call the police, tell them to arrest him. You're serious, it's your son. Let my son get punished, what's the problem? It's for his own good. Let him sit in jail six months. The animals over there, will, he will realize what life is, being a criminal. Maybe he will wake up. Wake up. Always protecting him, covering for him, and one day will rob them the central bank. Why? Everything went too smooth for him. One robbery, stealing here, stealing there, nobody does anything to him. They all shush, shush, everything under the ground. And the end is going to do something, there's no return anymore. That's what happened today. Then, one guy saw, one, one rabbi had a beautiful daughter. Amazing. One time he comes home, he see a young guy speaking from the fence. He says, son, what are you doing here? He doesn't know he's the owner of the house. He says, there's such a beautiful girl there, I can't stop looking at her. And that's his daughter. 
So he says, the, the boy say, if I didn't have the schud, the Mary, to marry her, at least I will look at her. So he say, BT, my daughter, you're making people upset and have pain because of your beauty. It's better you return to the ground that people would not make sins because of you. you understand what we're talking about? And I promise you that this girl wasn't dressed like today's girls. They're talking completely mad. It's such a beautiful face that he saw that guys are coming and peeking to see her beauty. So you know what? Jews, go, Jews going to lose their olam haba because of my daughter? Aye, she's innocent. You know a cow that was raped by a psycho. What does Hashem say to do to the cow? Stone it to death. Poor cow. Not only was raped by a, by a fool, by a crazy person, now you kill it again, twice? Should, you should comfort the cow, send it to a camp maybe for a month. No? Special camp, sport, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you make a commercial for the chocolate, you know, Israeli chocolate. <laughs> Poor cow after the abuse it had. Therapy, something. Shem say, clean it for the face of the earth. Don't enjoy from the meat. Don't eat it. Don't make shish kebab. No gujguje. Nothing from this meat. Why? I can't look at this cow. Why? What is a poor cow? A Jew lost his eternity. One of my sons lost his share to the world to come because of that sin. And that cow was involved with that. And you think I can look at that? You know the pain for a father that his son lost his eternity? You know what the pain it is? Spiritual pain? Same thing over here. Holy people. People are losing their olam haba because of the beauty of my daughter? Why do I need such a pretty daughter? Better I won't ever. He prayed to Hashem that will take her young. I was hoping that you won't ask. Yeah, of course she died. Based on the Gemara right away. Eliezer Ish Bartuta. You heard about him? Sounds like Italian name. Bartuta, no, Spanish. Bartuta. Eliezer Ish Bartuta. I guess it's the name of the place, Bartuta. A man of Bartuta. Kadchazule Gabait Tzedaka. Tashumine. He was such a generous person to Tzedaka that he was walking in the street looking for the collectors. Where are they that I can give them my money? Just like today. <laughs> Today, it used to be 10 years ago when the collector came. Moshe! <laughs> it's Rabbi such and such. So the kid opened the door. I'm sorry, Rabbi, my father is not home. <laughs> no? Okay. Today, he doesn't send his son. He heard in the lecture, it's not good to teach these kids to lie. So he said, leave my kid out of it. So he go from the upstairs the bedroom, from the window. Collector, I'm not at home now. <laughs> I'm not home. Ifshar. <laughs> 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 
עוד רבע שעה מסיימים על השעון. הלכה, אני אומר לך, אי אפשר. אוקיי. That's an interesting question. We have now, they're praying Arvit across the street, and they look for one person from Inyan. Is it allowed to take a Jew seats and learn Torah to go to pray Arvit? Of course not. A person that is making a million dollars as we speak, do you take him out to a room that is going to make five pennies? Imagine that's what you do to him. How he's going to love you for the rest of his life. And plus, in case you, did, you are not convinced, what's the Torah say? Amesir ozno mishmoa Torah. Someone who takes his ear away from Torah, which means he's not interested to hear Torah, or he's not learning Torah. Gam tfilato toeva. His prayer is despicable in the eyes of God. You're not interested in learning my Torah? I don't even want to hear your prayers. Don't do me a favor. Why? You're a hypocrite. What? You leave the billion dollar and you go for the dollars? Don't get me wrong. It's very important, Fila. It's important for you, not for me. For me, don't ask me anything. I won't give you. You ask me, I give you, right? But that's your problem. You come to me to help you, I help you. But you cannot come to me to help you by making a sin at the same time. I told you to do this and this and this. Imagine your boss tell you, I'm very, very, I'm very, very late now. We have to finish preparing everything. In 15 minutes, the customer comes to collect the catering. We have 15 minutes. In the 15 minutes, you come to your boss, boss, I have a personal problem to discuss with you. What now? I told you in a rush. Come after 10. No, no, now. What do you mean now? Doesn't make sense. All right. There is a question I saw in Halakha, a very interesting question. In a shul in Israel, every morning when they came to Alenu Leshabeach, before they say, Tana Deve Eliyahu Zachur Latov, so in many shuls they have a very good custom that they say a few words of Torah. Shnei Halachot, Kol HaShoneh, Shnei Halachot, Muftach Lo So they say, listen, if we already say that everyone who learns a little Torah every day, he already have a share to the world to come, minimum two laws a day, so they say it. So every time they call him, he's the chacham of the shul. So he say two halachot, and this one guy, he always go like this, shh, <laughs> like this, in front of everyone. I had one, like, one guy like this one time. <laughs> you know, he gets angry. So he goes like this, shh, <laughs> he goes like this, and he bothers him, and he goes around, he say to people, eh, shh, Why? Every day the same story. He goes around, he comes, you know, he's shocked. He bothers him. He bothers him. So, guess what? Now, when they finish their words of Torah, they say Kaddish. And then, Baruch Hu Hashem Amvorach, and then, Alenu Neshabeach. Who said the Kaddish? He. What a fool. His father died. He needs to say Kaddish for his father or mother. He should have begged them to say Dvar Torah, because the Kaddish, after the words of Torah, is the highest thing. He is the only one who complains. Everybody else don't need this Kaddish. They can live without it. It's for Yatom, Kaddish Yatom, orphans. He is the one who says the Kaddish in the Minyan, and he is the one who gets angry. So now this person asks Rav Eliash if, if, if they allowed to answer Amen on his Kaddish or not. Based on what I just told you. 
that someone who takes his ear away from Torah, when he goes to pray, Hashem is not interested in his prayers. So my Torah comes first. And after that, after that, uh, comes the prayers that you request from me what you want. So now they see since this guy doesn't want to learn, doesn't want, maybe there's no permission to answer Amen on his Kaddish. He's a kofer. He's a rasha, this guy. So what's the answer? What do you think the answer is? They're allowed to answer Amen on his Kaddish or not? So they say like this. No, it doesn't matter it's not for him. If the answer is that they're not answered to answer Amen, then even if he say Kaddish, it doesn't help his father. If a person is Mechalel Shabbat, and he say Kaddish on his father, it doesn't help his father, nothing. There is an argument, maybe he makes it worse for his father, that they show, they see who, what a wild beast you left in this world, he goes against Hashem every Shabbat, Mechalel Shabbat, now he comes to say Kaddish, Chutzpah. First become a, a Jew, and then worry about praising Hashem. Being a violator of every rule that's possible and come to Hashem and praise Him? It's worse than not saying anything. At least I'm hiding when I make crimes. I not come to the judge. Judge, your grade should be great and, and honor and this and glory. And then spit in his face. You want to spit in his face? Don't say how great you are. Not before and not after the spit. Come, spit and leave. Don't come, judge, we love you, you're great, you're bright, you're honest, you're decent, you deserve to be in a Supreme Court, but spit in his face. That's what it is. Well, it makes all the sins in the world. So, that's not the halacha. It doesn't make it worse for him, it doesn't, but for sure it doesn't help him. So what do they do? Someone whose father died and is not Shomer Shabbat, he pays money to a guy in yeshiva. They say Kaddish for his father. By him giving them money, they hired, they do a job, he helps his father. At least the holy mouth say the Kaddish. You understand? Everything, almost everything has a solution. So the answer in the halacha was, they have to tell him that if he's going to make one more comment against learning Torah, they will announce in a shul that he's not allowed to enter in a shul. Not only not to say Kaddish, they don't want him to come in to pray with them. And they throw him out of the shul and he's not allowed. And with the rabbi and the gabai, they have to give him a warning. You cannot take actions against him before they give him a warning about how severe is what he's doing. And after they warn him, one more beep he makes against the Torah, you don't like it? Go pray somewhere else. No one's forced you to come here. He doesn't like it? Go. You want to be here? You be quiet. That's the rules of the place. You say two minutes divre Torah every day. And that's it. And that's the rule. Okay, go back to what we have, because we have mamash ten minutes left. So it says like this. Rav Eliezer Ish Bartuta, he was running to look for the Gabayet Tzedakah. Now the Gabayet Tzedakah, the collectors, they're already embarrassed from him. And it's not fair, they say. We take everything this guy has. He's not a millionaire. Whatever money he has, he gives us. Let's hide that he won't see us. Everything the opposite of today. Today, if he sees you, I know one collector, my friend used to give him money. One time my friend <laughs> didn't want to give him money. So he ran quickly out of the office. He saw him coming. Right away, quick ran into his car and started to drive. <laughs> then he gets to the light, he looks in the mirror, he sees following him. <laughs> it cannot be, say. 
makes it right, he makes it right. And now he goes speed, full speed. He follows him, 20 minutes ride. He went to a customer. He parked. Oh, I'm looking for you all day. <laughs> That's 2,000 years ago. It was, he, this guy gave us already too much. Let's, let's leave him alone. It's an embarrassment. So they ran to ride. Yom Ahad, one time he was walking in a market to buy wedding accessories and things that his daughter needs for her wedding. His daughter got engaged, so he needs to buy her things for the wedding. I don't know, kiddush cup, this, candles, whatever she needs. They saw him again, walking with a bunch of money in his hand, in his wallet. They ran away from him. They started to run after them. A race now. They run, make a ride. <laughs> he runs after them. Amar Lehu, he scream, I make you swear. Stop. Don't run. No. no. So now they stop. They're afraid of him. He's a holy man. He said, I, I make you swear that you tell me the truth. What are you collecting for? They told him, we're collecting money to marry an orphan boy and an orphan girl. That they don't have who to take care of the wedding, so we're collecting. Today, it's called Achnasa Skala. Or Achnasa Kala, depends who collects. You know what Achnasa Kala means? Achnasa Skala means marrying a girl. Kala, marrying a bride. Achnasa Kala means easy income. Sounds the same. <laughs> All right. So, the pen who collects, this is holy people, they run away from him. So, he said, I swear that they come before my daughter. Please take all the bag with all the money. Here, you have all the money you need here for, to marry them. Azal Zaban Bechite. Now he had a little, few pennies left. He got some wheat. Well, wheat for, to make bread. He put the wheat in his basement, whatever it was. Atia Devitu, his wife came. She said, what, uh, what did your father bought for you today? He went all day shopping. <laughs> what did he buy? Amrala. I don't know, everything he brought, he put right in a basement. She comes to open the door to the basement. She cannot open the door. Packed! So what? He filled up the whole basement with, with gifts? She pushed the door. She see tons of wheat. Wheat to make bread. Tons! Full of wheat. He got all the way to the ceiling. She couldn't open the door. When he came back from the yeshiva, she saw, she said to him, I know what you did, but look what your lover did to you. Who is his lover? Hashem. You put one pound of wheat, it became two tons of wheat. He said, I swear now, Hekdesh, that I don't touch them. They're all holy. They're made by a miracle. I have no permission to use them. And I give it all to the poor people. 
He didn't want to get his reward in this world. Just like we are. Give $50 Zaka, begins to count. One minute, three minutes. His wife said, Moshe, what are you doing? It's already four minutes. What? I didn't get rich yet. <laughs> didn't they say someone who gives donation become rich? Five minutes, seven minutes. What's this Torah? How they fool the people? Come on. You know, didn't they say you give master, you become rich? It's already three days. We call up, Rabbi, can you send me back the check? <laughs> Ay, there's so much to learn from these holy people. Sometimes better than any Musar book you read. It gives you appetite, desire to be 5% from what they are. You believe me, you'll be in a very good situation. And what, where did they have the power, the, the energy, the strength to be like this? When? Emunah, strong emunah in Hashem, no questions. Blind faith, no, no questions. I'm not here for Hashem to perform for me. I'm not playing the flute and Hashem will dance according to my music. He played the flute and I'll dance according to his music. Make your wishes like his wishes. Don't make his, his wishes like your wishes. Hashem, I didn't get married yet. I'm 30 years old. Where is the justice? My friend, the crook, is already married with three children and I'm like this, your servant, go to shul every day. People talk all the time. The more they talk, the more anger Hashem has towards them. From you I expected more, not to talk like a fool. That's what Hashem says. From you, you from, if from the people who believe in me and know my, my, that I gave them the Torah, that's how they talk, what else I should expect from them? How the Navi say, Chazku alai divrechem. Hashem said, I'm sick and tired of your complaints. And you may say, why? What? Why are we complaining? Hashem asks. What? War? Why is it worth for us to put all these efforts? What are the righteous people getting? Where is all the promises? That's what we say. And Hashem says, you should have known by now that when I promise, I keep my word. You should know that all the problems is your fault, not my fault. There's another beautiful pasuk. It says that a person makes sins, and who does he blame for? He blames Hashem. Al Hashem is af libo. He's angry at God. Right? It's a, a, how the pasuk goes. Tesalef darko. Ksilut adam tesalef darko. Al Hashem is af libo. The stupidity of a person will make him wicked. And when he gets punished, he blames Hashem. Very, very common problem. Very, very common problem. Since we have two minutes left, I'll push one more, one more thing here from the Gemara, and we'll finish for today. And we didn't get to finish Masechet It's a very long Masechet for, for interesting story. Tanur Rabanan, Rabbi Eliezer, Gazar Rabbi Eliezer made 13 days of fast on the people because there was no rain. It didn't help, no rain. The people started to cry. 
They came to him, Rabbi, we did as you said. No rain, no bread to eat. It's not like today you call United States, send me a container full of food. It's a different world. Container, it's six months until it gets. You know, it's not like today. You get on a plane, they send you food. Tomorrow morning you have food. So he told them, did you prepare graves to yourself? Everyone should go dig a grave, prepare himself a place to be buried. That's it. No, no water, we're all going to die from, from hunger. Everybody started to scream and cry. And the rain started. What do we learn from here? When there's no hope anymore, you scream to Hashem, Pshht. that's what changed the status immediately, the tears. The gates of tears are unlocked. They stayed open always. Other gates locked after the destruction of the second temple. The gates of tears are express. Express. You have three different FedEx. One week, two days, priority. Priority is tears. Better. Before you finish the tears, before the tears arrive to the mouth, Hashem already registered your request. Instant email. Shuv Maaseh Rabbi Eliezer, another case with Rabbi Eliezer, he was the Chazan, the Shliach Tzibur, he prayed 24 special requests from Hashem to send rain, no rain. Came Rabbi Akiva after him, one minute he spoke, Avinu Malkenu, en lanu melech elata. We say it every day in a prayer, thanks to this Gemara. Avinu Malkenu, lemanach rachem alenu. Even the Spanish goyim say this prayer in Spanish. Yes, our father, our king, Mamash, word by word, translation, Avinu Malkenu. Avinu Malkenu, Lemanach Rachem Alenu, have mercy on us for your own sake, not for us, we don't deserve. We have no king but you. You are the father, you are our king. Right away, three verses, Rabbi Akiva say, the rain started right away. Everybody started to say, what happened? Biakiva is greater than him. He's the president of Israel. 24 requests, no rain. Rabbi Akiva, one minute, pouring rain. And he's not, he doesn't have a job. Maybe we should fire him and put him as the leader. The Gemara says there was an echo in heaven, an announcement. He's not greater than him. As far as Torah, they both great. Behaving, they both great. They both holy people. Why Hashem listened to Rabbi Akiva and not to him? Ze ma'avir al midotav, ze no ma'avir al midotav. Rabbi Akiva was a Baal Tshuva. Forty years old, he was still a complete ignorant. No, no Shabbat, no nothing. When he was forty years old, he became religious. And he comes from a descendants of converts. To come from the lowest level and to become Rabbi Akiva, it's not the same like born to a holy father and all your life being a holy yeshiva in a holy house. Not the same. That's why the Gemara says, in a place where the Balei Tshuva stand, when the people who made repentance, the level where they stand, religious from birth can never get to that level. Even if they do more mitzvot, the, the religious from birth, he's more religious. 
and this guy is 80% religious. But this 80% worth a thousand times more, because where it comes from, ponytail, earring, earring, earring here, sandals, walking in Queens Boulevard, goes in, Rabbi, <laughs> I'm looking for a place to sleep. Okay, come to Monsi. What's Monsi? A place, religious people. On the way, tell me they're all black. I said, very, very black. <laughs> so maybe you take me back to Queens Boulevard. It's too late, my friend. We're already driving 40 minutes. Another 20 minutes, we're there. Stay for three days, and then we'll see. Go today, see him, what the rabbi is in, <laughs> in, in Sfat. Walking in the street, hearing here. Yeah, you should see how this guy looked. Then after he was in Monsi, he took off his glasses. I come, I say, Oren, I say hello to you, you don't even answer? He puts his glasses, who is this? <gasps> Sorry, why, you don't see? So I don't see anything when I take my glasses on. So I walk in the street with the glasses in your, in your pocket. I don't want to look at the girls. Where? Not in Manhattan. In Monsi. When? 12 years ago, when I was really, really modest. Today, there's some modern spirits blowing into Mansi also, to every kosher place. Shh. The modernization destroys everything. Rabbi, we can be religious and enjoy both worlds. Yeah. But in those days, everything was old fashioned, small houses, very old. Three supermarkets the whole town, no fancy schmancy more, nothing. I was walking with other guys, you understand? Then he decided to go to Israel, and he was such a man that he said to me, I know that when I get to Israel, right away I get married. A week after he got engaged. People can reach, why, Baal Tshuva. How long he was in Yeshiva? Two, three years was a, a, such a holy man. Believe if I wouldn't be embarrassed, I would go and ask him every hour bracha from this guy. One time I came to the yeshiva, brought another guy, one o'clock at night. On the way to the dorm, I want to show the guy how the yeshiva look. It's all dark. Turn the lights on. I see this guy sitting on the floor with the Sefer Torah in his hands and Sidur and do Tikkun Chatzot. One o'clock at night, crying like this. Just a year ago, I was a hippie on the street. You understand? That's why, that's why I'm a, a place the Baal Shuvah stands. Not the same, he grew up in yeshiva with all his life, he saw the truth, he's so obvious, not the same. That's why the Gemara say, Rabbi Akiva, Hashem answered him right away because he Another explanation for that is that he's able to forgive easier. He's, he's more humbled. You hurt him, he forgives. You insulted him, he forgives. You didn't give him enough respect, he forgives. You owe him money, he forgives. That's called Ma'avir al-Midotav. Kol ha-Ma'avir al-Midotav, Ma'avirim lo kol p'sha'av. Everyone who forgives, forgives, is not stubborn, is not head to the wall. Hashem is the same with him, measure for measure. You forgive others, you don't take revenge, I'm also easy with you on the judgment. It's worth it. We'll see you with Hashem next Wednesday. On Monday I'm... Uh, on Monday, I'm here on uh, 73rd Avenue, 172nd Street. On the left, there's a big, nice shul every Monday. And as you can see, the lecture started at 8.30, finished 10. 
because I have another lecture now, so I cannot stay longer. Thank you. Baruch Adonai Lo'olam. Amen.